Good evening. Good evening. If you would, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 18 through 25. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. You know, in the world today, there are many people that claim to be wise. And they have worldly wisdom. They may be wise in theology, they may be wise in science, they may be wise in the arts, engineering, whatever, yet for all the wisdom of the world, we cannot understand God. We can't understand God and we can't understand His wisdom. It's impossible to understand God and His wisdom. Think about the Bible. The Bible contains the wisdom of God, yet we're just given a brief glimpse of it in the Bible. I mean, think about that. This book contains his wisdom, yet it just barely scratches the surface of his wisdom. We get a fleeting glimpse of his wisdom. Then think about creation. The whole universe, we can look at the entire universe and we see the wisdom of God. The work of God, the power of God in the order of creation. Yet, even though creation has order, we also see chaos in creation. The death of a star, the, the birth of a star. <coughs> we see order and chaos in creation. Yet creation shows us the wisdom and the power of God. And when mankind tries to understand this wisdom, when we try to, to you know, work out this wisdom that we see, all we can give is theories and, and hypotheses. Just theories and hypotheses as to how it all works. We can't understand the wisdom of God. And then think about something else, and this is what we're going to be talking about tonight. Think about God's wisdom in salvation. God's wisdom in salvation. In salvation, we see the wisdom of God, Yet we can't understand it. We can't understand the wisdom in salvation. Look at what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. For that preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. 
For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will cast away the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the wisdom of this world foolishness? For seeing the world by wisdom knew not God in the wisdom of God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Seeing also that the Jews require a sign and the Grecians seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews even a stumbling block and unto the Grecians foolishness. But unto them which are called, both of the Jews and the Grecians, we preach Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just ask your blessings upon the reading of your word. Lord, just be with us tonight, Lord, as we worship. Just give us an understanding into your word. And Lord, I just pray tonight that if there's anyone here that needs to make any decision, you would speak to their hearts. Just continue to be with us and overshadow us with your love and watch care and just be with me tonight, Lord, and give me the words to say. Hide me behind the cross and let the words that are spoken be your words. And just bind down Satan and let him have no part of this service. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. When we look at our earthly wisdom, our earthly wisdom is foolishness compared to the wisdom of God. Now, why is it foolish? Because if you think about it, when we try to understand the wisdom of God, we're left confounded. We can't understand it. We can't comprehend it. We can't understand God. We can't understand his wisdom. We can't understand his love. We can't understand his mercy. We can't understand his grace. There's no way we can understand it. We can't understand the wisdom of God. I mean, think about God's grace, his mercy, and his love. And then think about humanity. Would we be inclined to show grace, mercy, and love to someone who has wronged us? Would we be inclined to show grace, mercy, and love to one who has rebelled against us? Who denies our existence? Or, knowing our existence... And what we require still continues to rebel against us? Absolutely not. We wouldn't show that person grace. We wouldn't show that person mercy. We wouldn't show that person love. Yet, God does with us. And then think about it. When we think about the wisdom in that, we can't understand it because it's illogical to us. And why is it illogical to us? Because of human nature. 
If someone wrongs us, what does it hurt? It hurts our pride. We can't believe it. How in the world could this person wrong me? Very easy. Because we're sinful. Think about that. We can't understand God. We can't understand his love. We can't understand his mercy. We definitely can't understand his grace. Yet, in those three things, we see the wisdom of God. Because God has a plan. And it's a plan that dates back before he ever created anything. And we can't understand it. And then think about the manner of salvation. How he shows us his grace, his mercy, and his love. We can't understand that either. I mean, think about the message of the cross. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about the message of the cross. When he mentions preaching here, when he says, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, when he's talking about preaching, he's not talking about someone standing up and giving a lecture. He's not talking about that because the Greeks did that all the time. What he's talking about is the message it contains. The message that's preached. The message of the cross. Think about the message of the cross. Can you understand it? You might think, well, Brother Jeff, yeah, I can understand it. Think about it, though. Can you understand how the creator of the universe the creator of all things can come in the form of a man, a human, live a sinless life, then knowingly be betrayed, turned over to people that want to kill him, allow himself to be mocked, spit upon, beaten, and then nailed to a cross and die. Can you understand that? No. And why can't we understand it? Because if you think about it, if we were in that same situation, we would never allow it to happen. Think about that. I mean, think about it for a second. Would you knowingly die in the place of Christ? Knowing the pain he went through. We hope we would die for Christ. But would you allow yourself to be nailed to the cross knowing that you might live up to five days on it? We can't 
understand the cross and the wisdom of God shown to us in the cross. We can't understand it. And then, if you think about the message, look at what Paul says. It's foolishness to them that perish. To someone who is lost, to someone who continues to reject God, it's foolishness to them. Because they can't comprehend it. But if you think about it, we still can't comprehend it. Someone who is saved can't comprehend it, but it's not foolishness to us. We accept it by faith. We see the power of God in it. We see the transformational power that God has in the cross where he saves us so it's no longer foolishness to us, but we don't understand it. We just know it's the means of our salvation. But to the lost, it's still foolishness. Because those that perish can't understand how they can be saved by one who died on the cross. And look at what he says. If you look down at verse 22 and 23, he says that the Jews required a sign. Now think about it. They required a sign. And we see that in the Gospels where they continued to require a sign. And what was the sign that they asked for at the end? If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. They required a sign. So the cross was a stumbling block to them. Why? Because someone, as according to the law, someone who was crucified was cursed. They were under a curse and they couldn't understand how the Messiah and their thoughts concerning the Messiah would allow himself to be cursed. They viewed the Messiah as a military leader. Well, that doesn't happen until he returns in his power and glory. But Isaiah tells us that before any of that happens, he has to be the suffering Savior. So it was a stumbling block to them because one who was crucified was cursed. They couldn't understand that all they saw was foolishness. And then the Greeks. Now he's not talking about the Romans here. He's talking about the Greeks. Why? Because where was Corinth? It was a Greek city. So he's talking about the people in that Greek city that he had been preaching to when he started that church. He said the Greeks rejected it. They couldn't understand it. Because the Greeks viewed someone who was crucified as no account. To the Greek thought, someone who was crucified by the Romans was a criminal, 
Well, how in the world could we worship a criminal? That's what the Greeks thought, so it was foolishness to them. Yet, it's the wisdom of God. You know, neither group could see the wisdom of the crucifixion, but the wisdom of God confounds the wisdom of this world. That's the way he saves us. That's the means of our salvation. And his wisdom is greater than our wisdom. There's a wisdom there. When you start to, to take the pieces of the plan of salvation apart, what we know about it, there's a wisdom there. Because what happened when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden? They were cursed. They were cursed. So the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, to save us, he also had to be cursed. He had to be cursed. And the only way that he could be cursed according to the law, since he was sinless, was to be crucified. He had to be crucified, to be cursed. So what God did is he made the cross of Jesus Christ the means of our salvation. Because through it, Christ could be accursed. Then he could bear our sins. And then by his blood, our sins could be washed clean. To save us, Christ had to take our place. He had to be accursed. He had to take our sins upon himself. And he had to become our sacrificial lamb. And that happened on the cross. So God uses the message of the cross, the preaching of the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ for our salvation. And what does Paul say? He says it's the power of God. It's the power of God. We see the power of God there. We see the wisdom of God. Even though we can't understand it all, and there's no way while we're on this planet we're going to understand it all, because as Paul says, we look through a glass darkly. We're seeing through that glass, that darkened glass, but one day we'll understand it all when we get to heaven. But right now we can't understand it. But we see the power in it. And we see the wisdom in it. To be saved, we must hear the gospel message. We must be convicted of our sin and called by the Holy Spirit. We don't understand it all. But we see the wisdom of God. As Paul writes, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The foolishness of that message. But it's the power of God. The message of the cross. It confounds the world and many reject it. Many reject it, but in doing so, they reject the means of their salvation. Why? Because when they reject the message of the cross, when all they see is the foolishness of it, when they can't see the wisdom of God in it, 
They're rejecting Jesus Christ. To receive Christ, we must receive the message of the cross. Because the cross shows us the wisdom of God. The power of God and the Son of God. Let's stand for prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before, I just thank you, Lord, for the message of the cross. I thank you, Lord, just for your Son and everything that he did for us on the cross. Just continue to be with us. Continue to overshadow us with your love and watch care. We just ask this in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.